gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm gonna show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. Madam Fortress Mommy! Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. <laughs> again this is the Aaron Meta show it is the 28th of October 2015 thank you very much for checking out the show if you want to follow us on Facebook it's facebook.com forward slash Aaron Meta show it's on Twitter twitter.com forward slash Aaron Meta show on Tumblr it's aaronmeta.tumblr.com and you can follow us on the RSS feeds on iTunes Player FM Stitcher podcast directory plenty of ways to listen plenty of ways to check us out this is the 19th anniversary of Hey Arnold and it is our fifth uh, Craig Bartlett interview. We've also got uh, all your fan questions here as well. So joining us once again on the Aaron Meta Show, welcome back everybody, Craig Bartlett. Craig, how's it going? Hi, good. Good to talk to you. Yeah, uh, and you're calling us from the offices of Ready Jet Go, I believe. That is correct. Yeah. Here in Glendale, California. Yeah. Uh, tell you what, do you want to tell us a bit about the show? You know, just promote what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, the uh, Ready Jet Go is the the second uh, series that I'm doing for PBS, because I've been doing Dinosaur Train for them since about uh, 2007, 2008. I think we went on TV in, in 2009, and we've made um, 89 half hours of Dinosaur Train. But uh, we are now making 40 half hours of Ready, Jet, Go, uh, which is 80 11-minute episodes. And we started production last August, August 2014, and we will continue to work on this into the end of uh, 2016. But we go on TV with our first 15 half hours of it, uh, President's Day 2016. That's February 15th, I think. And uh, yeah, PBS. Cool. That's, that's good. That sounds really exciting. And uh, you know, yeah. as someone who a was kids' first space show. That's what that's what Jet is. It's oh. basically all the PBS kids shows uh, have some kind of curriculum. And so uh, Dinosaurs is the curriculum of uh, Dinosaur Train and Space. Astronomy, Earth Science is the uh, is the curriculum for Ready Jet Go. As, as someone who really admires uh, Jodrell Bank, which is uh, down the road from where I am in uh, in Cheshire, you know, where I have to say it's uh, you know it sounds really exciting. I've always been fascinated with space uh, from Me a very young age. Yeah. Okay. It's really lucky. I, I you know you do this the curriculum stuff, and people ask, well, isn't that kind of a drag to have to put curriculum on everything? The truth is. Um, if if it's something you you love, something you're interested in, it's it's the best. And knowing that you're doing something that kids are going to learn, uh, you know, it'll be their first show about it, and this will be a kid's first chance to learn about space, is really fun. So I'm I'm totally enjoying it. It's a blast. I mean, it's the vinyl frontier, isn't it? So it's like you know, it's it's got to be fascinating for children, hasn't it? So uh, yeah, yeah. And the nice thing too is, uh, I I don't know if you know this, but all of NASA uh, 
all of their images, all of the, the footage that they make, that when they shoot stuff out in space, and uh, they're, they, they make a lot of uh, computer-generated images, now, especially now, as they, as they put together their proposals, you know, they'll, they'll have, uh, you know, computer animation artists make, uh, you know, artist interpretations of, like, what it's going to be like when the lander lands on Mars. All that stuff is in the public domain because NASA is a, an ORG, you know, a publicly funded company. So we get to use all that footage in our show. So I really, really like that. Our show is going to have all this truly awesome space footage thanks to NASA. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. It, we would not be able to do it if, if, uh, if that wasn't the case. But So we all have that to look forward to. I'll tell you what so, I'm looking February. forward to. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to when, uh, when man lands on Mars. And uh, the amount of TV hype that's going to generate, you know, it's like uh, that's yeah, the, no kidding. Yeah, that's, that's that. true. And uh, you know that that's you know now we have Mars to look forward to, and I'm hoping, uh, you know, we just want I want I want the next generation of kids that grow up on Ready Jet Go to be really informed about about why we go to space. Yeah, unless it yeah. turns into Total Recall, and then we're really in trouble. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's, it's difficult. Yeah. We haven't figured it out yet. Even yeah. even now, we aren't truly ready to send people to Mars because we haven't figured out the uh, the radiation problem, the solar uh, solar radiation uh, that we're protected from on Earth because we have this big magnetic uh, shield. Uh, once you get out to Mars, you just be getting blasted with solar radiation, and it's it's lethal. And we haven't figured it out yet, so <laughs> there are some problems to solve. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's Ready Jet Go coming on PBS. Uh, it's going to sound very exciting, but uh, we all know why we're here today. Hey, Arnold, a 19th anniversary, one year off the tw big 2-0. That's going to be absolutely big. And uh, yep. so, and once again, uh, we've got fans asking questions, all sorts of questions, and uh, so I'm going to put them to yourself. So, Craig, are you ready for the first one? Yeah, let's answer some questions. Okay, then. First one is from David Cakes. He asks, when you first designed Hey Arnold for Nickelodeon, uh, did you realize how many people would think Arnold w is wearing either a skirt or a kilt? No, I did not realize that, and I... Uh... It ended up being kind of a thing. We, you know, we had to do a lot of jokes about it. When we finally just did in uh, in Cool Party, Arnold literally says to Rhonda, "It's not a skirt, Rhonda," and he pulls his sweater up and says, "See, it's my shirt tails." And because honestly, I wanted to. By the time we got to Cool Party, I, I was getting kind of meta and trying to make trying to make shows that it literally answered fans' questions. But you know, I was just trying to do that sort of layered uh, Pacific Northwest uh, grunge look. That you know that I I favor. I like to wear like you know flannel shirts with the tails poking out under a sweater, and so I was simply trying to do that. And I did not realize that I would have to do all that explaining. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, next question. Uh, Christian Henderson and a Twitter user called Seether asked this question: uh, Where did you get the design and the inspiration for the old Engine Twenty Five in the Haunted Train episode? Well, that's a great question. Um, we we were we knew we wanted to do a haunted train we were we were deep into the in the first season we were deep into the uh urban legends and so we thought a haunted train would be great and as i remember tuck tucker our uh our uh, board supervisor uh and who who storyboarded that episode that's a tuck board um tuck did a lot of research and in in the early days of uh <laughs> having being able to google through the internet for images i remember he 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 found a, a he looked did a lot of research and looked up a bunch of cool uh, old steam engines and I I remember him showing me uh, the 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 ones that he the engine that he picked and said how about this one and I was like oh that'd be fantastic it's very that episode's very fetishy when the when the train comes in 
finally. You know, I think you're about two-thirds of the way through the show, and they just go, Engine 25, and it comes in. Uh, there's these great close-ups of just, like, parts of the engine going, psh, and steam coming out. That's really a cool episode. Yeah, I just love and, the... And how... creepy. Yeah, it's I just scary. Love, so I just loved how Dan Castellaneta basically introduced it to us, and he's like, "And the story of the haunted train." It's like... <laughs> yeah, isn't that the best? It's funny. Like we, we traditionally we had uh, Jamil uh, Gerald tell tell the urban legends, but that was a grandpa one, and it was great. Grandpa's a, he's a blast. He's so he's so funny. You know, he he really knows how to ham it up. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Dalton Robinson asks, uh, why did Jameel Walker-Smith get a tonsils episode, but not Torin Caldell or Philip Van Dyke? <laughs> I'm sure Torin and Philip are asking that same question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, here's the deal. Arnold, the Arnold sound that I that I was always going for was a, a, a an innocent, you know, kind of husky-voiced boy who has not turned into a teenager yet, he needed to sound younger than that. And and so when the Arnold voice, each of the Arnold actors, when their voice cracked, they just sounded too old to me. And Jamil, same thing was happening to him. He was cracking and sounding older. But somehow somehow his wasn't about sounding young. It was more about sounding like Gerald. And we, we considered recasting. And just I, did, I just was not meeting any other kid who I thought could do what Jamil could do. And so then I was like, man, what am I going to do? We, we pitched him up for a while, and that wasn't that satisfactory. And so I thought, again, very meta, like why don't we just make an episode about the fact that Gerald's voice is changing? <laughs> and, and it was like, I, you know, I, I had definitely by then considered uh, recasting and getting another kid, but I did not like any of the choices that I had. And so... Arnold literally says at the end, he goes, Gerald, your voice may have changed, but you're still Gerald. <laughs> and so that was, that was meant to be like, hey, this happens. And, um, yeah, I just didn't want to get rid of Jamil. Yeah. He was just too good. Do you know what was funny? Cause, like, we did a joke, actually, about, uh, I don't know if you know, we had Jamil Walker-Smith on the show uh, a couple of months back. Oh, you did? I, I did not know that. That's yeah. great. I'll go back and listen to yeah, it. Yeah, and uh, basically, he uh, we he, he actually does. If you turn up, actually uh, played around in Adobe Audition with his voice, and uh, he turned turn his pitch up a little higher, he does actually still sound like Gerald Johansson. It's, uh, wow. it's, it's astounding. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's if, good to know. I'll go back and listen to that. <laughs> okay, next question. Uh Alex Hollis uh, asks, uh, "Who is Arnold's other side of the family?" So basically, the side where he 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 got his name from, uh, Estella's side of the family. Yeah, that's right. Um, when when uh, Arnold's born and she says his name is Arnold, she says it was her dad's name. Um, it's it is true that that uh, uh, we that that implies a whole other family that we just never got to. You know, I, I haven't even thought about like who who's on Stella's side it's there's there's enough characters to deal with just on on uh, grandpa and grandma's side uh that i i have no idea i suppose we could eventually meet those people <laughs> do you think they're probably saner than uh, uh miles side of the family yeah and then so so yeah so arnold arnold comes down the line from uh grandpa to miles to arnold and uh and we know that much so, but but that's all we know so far that <laughs> that Miles is uh, you know Pookie and and Phil's kid. Yeah. 
Jamie Myers asks, can you ask him about the rumours surrounding Pigeon Man and that he was supposed to commit suicide in the original ending of the episode? Because that theory really needs to go away. No, that, you know what really bothers me about that? Because that really does bother me. What bothers me is that uh, the stuff that people, people make a theory, they put it on the internet, and then after a while it's just assumed to be true just because it's on the internet. And it's, it's really getting kind of ridiculous how much, uh, how much uh, rumor is on the internet that doesn't have any fact and just continues to just persist. And, and it, it bugs me because it almost doesn't even matter what I say. <laughs> I, I posted a picture of Pigeon Man uh, on, on my Facebook page this year, and it was just you know one of those cell setups from the end of the show when he's flying away on the pigeons. And somebody, somebody made a comment that, oh, that was a suicide show. And I, I, I answered in the comment section, no, it's not a suicide show. I know because I was there, and I, <laughs> I, I didn't write it. Joe Purdy wrote it. But when we were, when we were uh, finishing that script together, uh, nobody had any intention that he was committing suicide. He hooks up those birds and flies away. And, and actually, I had always imagined doing a sequel where he's in Paris, um, with uh, a, you know, helping a bunch of pigeons in Paris, just because I thought that would be funny for him to be there somewhere kind of a little bit more glamorous. And um, I think I'm still going to do that. And and I <laughs> I I uh, what's weird is that I posted that, and that should be that, right? I mean, yeah, I was there. It's my show. And and yet uh, the the whoever that was just kept commenting like, well, I don't know why Craig's saying that. It's obviously a suicide show. So you know what I mean. It doesn't even matter what I say. People yeah. still think what they're going to think, which is a little bit absurd. You know, that's kind of crazy. Both both that uh, uh, rumors that aren't true become somehow become fact because just because they exist on the internet, and also the rudeness of people online to to go ahead and just say. Uh, no, I don't believe you. You know, I mean, why aren't people more polite online? I don't really understand. Because it, that. It's, I'll tell you why. Because it's a, uh, it's 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 a. Um, I'm trying to find the best way to describe it. It's basically it's a it's um, a power trip. So basically, you know, they they go online and uh, you know they probably see like like people like myself is like you know here's Aaron of the Aaron Meta show and they'll they'll say, they'll put in a, like a snide comment saying you know oh well you know he's this he's that and stuff like that and even though I correct uh-huh. it like well, like ten or fifteen times it's like nope you're still this you're still that it's a power trip <laughs> you know, it's like, it really yeah is. so you know that seems to be the world we're living in and all I can say is if people want to know the answer to these questions they can ask me like you're doing right now and I'll tell you what how it was yeah. uh, very recently some some internet uh series that's from mtv networks and it was 106 facts about hey arnold and uh so i i flipped through and 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 watched the 106 facts it's it's actually a video told by this guy and i have to say you know about two-thirds of them were true and about a third of them were absolutely not true and and it was weird because he he would kind of get on a a series of things when he did Pigeon Man. He did about like five little facts in a row, none of which were true. In in his thing, he said, "We had this idea that he jumped off the building and died. That the network saw that and said you can't. And so then we had to change it into this ending. None of that happened. I mean, we never thought that he committed suicide. He always. What happened was Harold and Stinky and Sid or Joey actually came up there and 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 tore down his stuff. He was. He was really disappointed and wanted to leave this town because he was just so sick of, you know, stuff like that happening. 
and he hooks up all of his pigeons and flies away. Arnold says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to go to another place where I can help pigeons. And he does a, a speech that's basically uh, a kind of a, a ripoff of the uh, speech that Tom Joad gives at the end of The Grapes of Wrath, where, you know, where there's a bird somewhere, you know, what, you know, with a broken wing, I'll be there. It's basically like what Tom Joad says at the end of the thing. He doesn't die. He goes away to go help other pigeons. So I, I'm really annoyed that the guy who did that, whatever that was, 106 Facts About Hey Arnold, why didn't he just get a hold of me? What happened to fact checking? Why didn't he? He knows how to find me. Why didn't yeah, he call me I, up? I, I got to be hey, honest. I got 106 it's... facts. Do you want to tell me if these are true? I would have set them straight. But anyway, yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you why he probably didn't do that. Like it's true. Yeah, I'll tell you why he probably didn't do that because he's uh, you know he's got like, comment, and subscribe, and basically that's what's focused <laughs> on his mind, not the facts. Okay then. Oh. Anyway, so you know, I mean, that one's just sort of a sore spot with me because. It doesn't even matter what I say, and people continue to persist with that, that kind of weird theory stuff. And I think the darker, the better for people, too. You know, like, oh, it's, it's about suicide, you know. And, oh, they wouldn't let him do it. It was so terrible that they, didn't, you know, that they made him stop. You know, that, that seems to be more appealing than the actual truth. Yeah. Let's move on to that. So obviously, uh, we have angered the uh, Hey Arnold God here. <laughs> uh, okay, Nancy Geronimo Graber, uh, she asks, uh, what's the deal with Brainy? Why does he love Helga, and does he know that Helga loves Arnold? Well, he certainly knows that Helga loves Arnold because he's, ever since they were uh, preschoolers, he's basically, you know, hung out behind her listening to her monologue about how much she loves Arnold. So, yeah, he does know. And... The deal with Brainy is he's kind of a supernatural character. He's kind of um, always there in the most unlikely places. And I even got kind of meta about that, too, like on Helga on the couch when she she finishes and she's, she comes out of the therapy session and goes into the alley and gets her locket out and he's there. And she goes, what's the deal? You know, what are you, were you waiting here for me? You know, so... She even asks him, like, point blank, like, how come you're so weird? And I, I always thought Brainy was a kind of a supernatural character and possibly even, uh, like, uh, Helga's imagination is so powerful that she literally made him, she's a figment of her imagination that the other kids can even see. I don't know, though. I think he's real. He's oh. a real guy. He loves her. He loves her and he understands her. And um, in his mind, um, he, he gets that she's meant for Arnold and he loves her anyway. Yeah. Okay, yeah, next question. This one's from Anonymous. Now, we did get a few Anonymous questions, but I thought they were good enough, so I put, I put, I put them in anyway. Um, what does Gerald make of Arnold and Helga? Uh, because at the end of the movie, he seems to overhear uh, Helga take back her confession. Well, in at the end of the movie, let's see. No, he was, he was sort of conveniently out of frame. We basically had him sort of uh, be somewhere else at the moment that they had that scene. But I would say that Gerald... Gerald's a pretty smart guy, and he he's pretty savvy, and I, I imagine he has a pretty good idea what's going on. That's a fun area for me to explore. I, I kind of want to uh, uh, continue along those lines of Gerald kind of understanding Helga more and more, uh, and and their understanding of each other. I think it's really funny. So yeah, I mean he 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 may not know everything, but he's kind of figuring it out. He's yeah. not in on it yet. I'll put it that way. I can imagine Joe's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, next uh, one is also an anonymous question. Uh, what do you think of the theory that grandma, grandpa, and grandma might actually be Arnold's parents? I don't know. Uh, haven't we met Arnold's parents several times? That seems a little, <laughs> a little absurd. Yeah. Is, that, is that 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 like urban legend that that Arnold 
Arnold's uh, the reason he has the weird shaped head is because Grandma and Grandpa are his parents. Yeah, I, that's a, that's another one of those where I, I just, I'm kind of amazed that first of all, whoever came up with that, it, it was it was part of a whole thing where I stole the whole idea for Hey Arnold from some guy that I met somewhere. I mean, it's like that's the weirdest. I mean, why? Why people come up with that stuff? It's like, fine, if you want to make up that stuff, that's fine. But don't you think that's a little bit rude to me since I did all the work of coming up with Hey Arnold? You know, I, I, I'm kind of amazed, at, again, at, at how this stuff appears on the Internet and then it's supposed to be true. Uh, they're not really taking my feelings into consideration, that's for sure. Oh, no, no feelings are taken into consideration when it comes to internet rumors. <laughs> yeah, no, so, of course Anyway, not. no, uh, yeah, Arnold, we've met Arnold's parents. In fact, we were there, we saw when he was born, so... I don't think Grandma and Grandpa are Arnold's parents. Yeah. Okay, next question. Um, Joshua Molinando uh, asks, uh, what were your final thoughts on the last episode uh, when it finished production? Hmm, well, the last one we finished was uh, the journal. And, uh, well, at the end of the production of the journal, it was a, it was a, it was a really sad uh, time around there because we knew that we were going to... By then, about most of the crew had, had finished and we were down to... A, a smaller version of our crew and uh, we knew that we were kind of on hold at that point uh, we didn't know if we'd make the jungle movie or not at, with Paramount and um, so we were in a kind of a limbo so that we were pretty unhappy and and also um, the the journal uh, at that point it was just a few of us uh, Ramey and, and Tuck and some of the board artists were still there uh, and then uh, Joe Purdy and Michelle Lamro and I wrote the journal. And um, there was something kind of funny about it. It was sort of like gallows humor where you, 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 you're, you're laughing and joking because you think this might be the end. And so uh, the journal has a kind of a, a jokey, kind of smart-ass vibe to it where, where uh, it's, you, you're flipping back and forth between these really kind of real scenes between mom and dad and... Um, in the jungle and they're kind of having their sort of swashbuckling adventure and, and, you know, being do-gooders and saving the day. And that, that was the whole reason that I, I did the journal was so that it was meant to be a prequel for the, the jungle movie that would set up that his parents were really great. They were super good people doing all these good things. And so that you would not blame them for uh, leaving Arnold. And uh, so we were doing that stuff. And then you, it sort of flips back and forth between that, really sincere stuff and the uh, really, really silly stuff at the boarding house where grandma and grandpa and Arnold are reading the journal. And it's nuts. I mean, they send out for Chinese food. Grandpa keeps going to the bathroom every, every act break. Uh, grandma's like standing on her head and I don't know, eating beans and just like crazy stuff's going on. And, and so it, it was, it's, it's got a, it's got a weird kind of uh, uh, smart ass vibe that was, really me going, I don't even know if we're going to make the Jungle movie. I, I can't tell what's going to happen next. And so how about we make all this stuff happen that is like I'm daring uh, Paramount not to make the Jungle movie. I'll, I'll have him find a map, and that'll be the very last thing you see. So it was it was a little irresponsible on my part. <laughs> I, was, I was just... Like, well, this might be the end, and that was the way I was writing. Hey, it inspired a lot of people. It inspired me, so uh, maybe it wasn't such a bad ending, you know, if it inspired yeah, all this true. stuff. Yeah, it's true. You know, when you think about that, it, it, when, when I hear how people feel about that episode, then I don't feel so bad, because people really enjoyed it. So, 
you know, it, it's it's a really powerful medium, TV. A lot of people see it, and it really affects people. So, you know, I'm glad. I, I, it just makes me realize now, now that I have the benefit of hindsight, that I just need to be as responsible in my storytelling as I can, and and not not just you know, always be aware that that it, it's going to affect people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question, uh, Nicole uh, McGuigan. Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, what would Helga be like as a teenager, and would she have a softer side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think as Helga gets older and she matures, uh, I think she gets more, a little bit more control of herself, and and uh, uh, becomes a, a little more aware of of uh, her actions. Because one of the things that's funny about Helga is that. She's she's always getting it's like karma. She's always getting uh, some kind of karma payback for her 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 misbehaving, and she kind of is stubborn. She keeps doing terrible things uh, in spite of the fact that she should know better. And so I would just kind of make as a teenager, I'd make her kind of in the process of of figuring that out and and learning how to know better. But still, you know, teenage years are tough. They're really, teenage years are incredibly turbulent. So I would imagine she'd still be acting out. You know, she's pretty, she's pretty tough. She's a tough kid. Yeah. Do you think she'd go for a goth phase? I'm sorry, what? Do you think she'd go for a goth phase? <laughs> yeah, she, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, uh, next question. Uh, Zach Lane asks, uh, on the possibility of Rugrats and Hey Arnold being resurrected by Nickelodeon, if Hey Arnold gets renewed for more seasons, would you rewrite some of the leftover episodes that didn't get produced and incorporate them into the new run? Oh, yeah, it's funny. Joe Purdy and I were, were just looking through. Um, he had saved hard copies of all of our premises, all of our story ideas, like we would make these lists of show ideas over the years. I mean, the, the, his his uh, pile of of, of episodes uh, covered about six years of us um, uh, coming up with ideas. And I I said, did you did you find the ones that we pitched at the very end when we ended up doing April Fools in the Journal? And he didn't. And I remember there was another urban legend in there that I really wanted to do, which I, he couldn't find and I didn't, I can't find it either. But anyway, yeah, there, there's a few of all the stuff that, but one of the things that's kind of funny about the, the hundred half hours of Hey Arnold, 103, I guess, half hours of Hey Arnold, um, was we ultimately ended up doing almost all the shows we wanted to do that sooner or later, even a story that would get shot down by the network in season one and season two. By the time season four or five came along, I, I finally ended up doing all of them. Like Monkey Man was one that I wanted to make forever, and Helga on the Couch, too. So um, they finally all kind of had their time. But yeah, totally. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of episodes knocking around that we never made that I would totally dust off and, and, uh, and do it. It's cool. It's like it's a reimagining anyway, you know. It's, it's so much time has gone by that it's it's a it's a kind of a fresh look at it no matter what yeah i mean what about the rugrats as well i mean i, I looked at how many episodes they've done also three movies as well you know it's like yeah. has everything possibly now been done with the rugrats do you reckon <laughs> that's a really good question it, it, as the years go by and you make all these premises you do you're trying not to repeat yourself and so it's hard um i remember us thinking as we got to seasons like four and five all of us agreeing it was really hard to come up with good Arnold episodes. It was easier to come up with Helga ones because she's a, she's more active and kind of she's more of a troublemaker. And Arnold is he's a good guy. And so the stories that would be Arnold episodes would be 
generally something happened that that wasn't his fault and he was kind of stuck trying to trying to make it better and so we felt like we we were having a hard time coming up with more arnold stuff and so now you know it's an, it's it's so much later now that i don't know i would basically sit down with the writers and go okay here's the world what are we going to do yeah Okay, this uh, question is uh, from Jessica Ness and Lenika Vera. They unite to ask this question. Uh, will Hey Arnold be resurrected and the Jungle movie come back in 2016? <laughs> well, that's getting right to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I would say 2016 is probably... It's, it's hard to say how long it'll take us to do this. We're really, you know, we're, we are in earnest uh, uh, trying to get... Uh, Arnold rebooted, but I, you know, it's still it's still early for me to give any details about what it's going to be and and where it's going to go. I feel like until until I really have a premiere date and I know that it's going to be on TV and I can say, look, on this date this is going to happen. I don't I don't want to say specifically. And also, even then, even if I knew, like, like we premiere and I and I don't I 2016, you know, it's this is a the project that we're working on is gonna it's gonna take a lot of doing and and it's it's uh it's not gonna it's it's really kind of more than uh just one thing it's we're 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 you know we're it's it's complicated and we're trying to do uh uh, uh we're trying to tell a lot of story and I feel like it will uh probably not even be done by 2016 that's all I can say and okay. I I only say that because these things take a long time and one of the things that's funny is and I I read the comments of of fans who are like well, where's my jungle movie you know on on my side of things that stuff takes a long time it takes a long time to 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 you know I've been meeting with Nickelodeon about this now for 3 years and we've been talking about it for a long time it takes a long time to even come to an agreement about what it would be and then it takes a long time to make the deal and then by the way the deal's done and then it takes a long time to to uh uh to say what exactly you know we're going to make and when and and things are even more corporate now than they used to be at Nickelodeon and so uh they they like to do it one step at a time and see see this is okay and get that approved move to the next step so you know, I don't, I don't have any any dates. No. Well, you and don't have any if, dates, but did, in regards I, to I where we are, I wouldn't say this is what's going to happen because yeah. I'd like people to be surprised by the, by the, uh, by the story. Okay, well, I mean, I know you can't go into any dates or anything like that, but right now the, the situation is Nickelodeon does want to bring back Hey Arnold, and Nickelodeon does want to bring back the Jungle movie. However, they want specifics about how it's all going to work. Is that basically where we are? Yeah, exactly. Th- these are things that we have to. Um, it, it takes it takes a lot of people to to uh, to be in on it and for them to agree about uh, how it's going to proceed. So that's that's what's going on. We're you know I'm back at Nickelodeon. We're working on it. We're trying to make it go. And and um, it's it's uh, it's great to there's there's a, a really cool vibe about it because uh, Nickelodeon now I'd say about a third of the people that work there um, you know grew up on the '90s shows. And so we've got I've got a lot of Hey Arnold fans that are now. Uh, working professionals at Nickelodeon, they're they're super stoked about it. So it's a it's a great thing. It's really a 
uh, we're in a we're in a really good place. Well, I'll tell you what, Craig. I mean, if we if 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 you start, if you do mention a date and you say 2020, I'm game. You know, because at least I'll know. <laughs> uh, you know, at least I know until then. And I would I would I would even pick a date, except even that seems random because I don't know. Maybe we'll be faster. Maybe we'll be slower. Well, but you know, it it I'm trying to move this. Uh, you know, giant boulder up a hill. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, well, I know uh, it's going to be good because who knows? You know, you the, know. The important thing is that we're working on it. Yeah. Well, the reason I say that is because you know, uh, you know, The Incredibles Two is going to be coming like either like 2018, 2019, and then that indicates mm-hmm. to me, yeah, there's effort being put into this. You know, if they, if they turn around, if, to be honest with you, you're looking at that question, and if they're saying, if you say, if you turn around and said, yeah, it's going to come out in 2016, I'd be like, well, where's the? I mean, is it going to? Is that how long it really takes to put together the movie that's in my mind? I mean, it's like, uh, well, anyway, we'll leave it at that. At that at the meantime, but uh, I'll right, ask the next right. question. Uh, uh, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to try my best for pronouncing this for the name. Uh, Ikrem Aytekin, I hope I pronounced that correctly, asks, uh, could Hey Arnold return as either the Patakis or an all-grown-up-like TV series? So basically when they're teenagers. Oh, well, uh, you know, uh, that is not the direction that that uh, the development is going now, but, you know, life is long. There could finally be a Pataki someday. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, I like I say I I, I enjoyed uh, it, it's it's been fun uh, imagining Helga as a teenager. So you know maybe sooner or later that time will happen. I don't know. It's like you know I know you know Rugrats also did all grown up, and it's kind of so in a way it feels like it's been done already. I mean, so it's kind of yeah, like yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Then um, it might be fun to do it like we did Married, where um, you you briefly like in a, in a dream or something you briefly see them as teenagers that that might be a, a fun way to do it yeah like a one off episode where it's kind of like Saved by the Bell you know kind of like version of like Hey Arnold something like that maybe something like that right. maybe I don't know okay yeah, uh-huh. ne- I'll move on to the next question uh, Elena Barker asks uh, a lot of shows from the nineties tend not to age well uh, but Hey Arnold remains timeless uh, why do you think Hey Arnold still holds up and resonates with fans to this day hmm. That's a nice thank you, Eleanor, for that comment. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of figured that the nature of Hey Arnold that, that made it different from the other cartoons is maybe why it resonates still and, and it seems more timeless. The, the reason that it was different from the other shows was we were going for a, a kind of a darker... It, it wasn't just like really kind of bright, in-your-face uh, comedy. It was much darker and more layered than that, and we were trying to make the show about uh, childhood in, in, in and some, some layers of childhood that cartoons don't usually go for. Um, and I, I really was influenced by Charlie Brown because I thought one of the things I liked about Charlie Brown was how much of it was about that Charlie Brown was kind of an unhappy, like, depressed kid. And, and uh, Arnold's not, like, unhappy, but he's pretty blue, and there's some... There's some uh, big holes in his life, his missing parents and, and uh, you know, the, the reasons that he's he's always kind of trying to help people and, and be a do-gooder seems to be because he's kind of compensating for the, the darkness in his life. And I, I, that was what we went for. And we had these really cool uh, kid actors who uh, could, could they had the, they had the uh, jobs to, to do that. They could deliver that stuff. And the writers all agreed. It was uh, When we started, it was me and Joe and Salvaher and Steve Vixton. The three of us agreed that a lot of childhood is 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 kind of unhappy, and you you're 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 kind of powerless as a child, and you're just doing your best. And so that was the that was the way we wrote it. And uh, we had the great music that Lang did to to kind of help sell that. 
that mood. And we had a uh, really good artist that agreed with me that the, the way to draw it was like very detailed and kind of realistic and, and really the style of the storytelling was more like, we said it was more like a single camera, you know, after school special than, than a, a sitcom and, and not certainly not kind of wacky and in your face, like, like a lot of the other cartoons that were being made at the time. And so we were going for a more serious thing and maybe that resonated with kids. Maybe when they were watching it, they said, this is a little bit more like my actual life. <laughs> and, and, uh, and therefore, and you know, Helga, my God, Helga, what a powerful character. She's really, she's really, really, uh, uh, super intense character that I think a lot of little girls were like, Oh yeah, that's me. You know, I'm more, I'm more like Helga than, than like Arnold. I'm, I have, I have a darker side and I'm, I'm, I'm more angry and more, more bitter and more, I, I act out on my anger more than Arnold does. And so kids identified with the characters and suddenly they grew up and they, they went, Hey, I still like this. It is cool. I love, I love the fact that, uh, a lot of what seems to be driving this Arnold uh, Renaissance right now is, is the, the fact that the people are between like 20 and 30 that grew up on it. And they really, they just, they just want, they want to see more. They want to see the thing come to some kind of conclusion. And also now their kids are watching it. Yeah, it's great. I totally, how cool is that? You know, we, Cartoons are great because if you make them so they're evergreen and they can go on and on, um, then another, you know another generation of cartoon watchers is born every minute. So yeah. <laughs> I think you know, the, the effort that goes into went into cartoons, you know, between the eighties and the nineties. I mean, it's like uh, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when I was sat down with my little brother, and he, you know, I remember back in you know, eight, nine, 89, 90, and I was watching Transformers, and you know, when I was watching, uh-huh. uh, you know, Optimus Prime throw like an ocean liner on top of, of uh, Megatron, and then uh-huh. you know, a couple, you know, a couple of years later, he's the same age as I was. And then he's, uh, you know, we're watching the same cartoon of of Optimus Prime throwing an ocean liner on top of Megatron in the same cartoon. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's uh, it's amazing how these 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 generations just bridge like that. It is so, cool. Yeah. And how fun is that? Like one of the things that's fun about being a parent and raising kids is like when you realize your kids think the music that you loved as a kid they love it too. And it's somehow validating. It makes you feel like, yeah, you know, my choices that I made were good ones. So I love the idea of, of uh, uh, young parents with uh, little kids getting the, the complete uh, Hey Arnold series and showing it to their kids and then getting that validation of their kids liking it. That's, that's you know, no wonder. It's cool. I think Brian Adams wish he had that effect in music. But uh, uh, no, I, yeah. like, I like Brian Adams. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, cheap joke. Okay, um, next, <laughs> next question uh, from Anonymous. Uh, are you a fan of Steven Universe? You know, I'll, I know, I know all those. There's a, there's a great new generation of um, of cartoons that are happening on Cartoon Network that I've I barely have seen them, and Steven Universe is one of them. Like they're they're cool looking. I love the design of those shows. They have uh, they remind me a little bit of Hey Arnold in that they they are featuring people and they're about relationships. So I'm glad that stuff is happening, but I confess that I'm watching almost no TV these days. I tell you, I tell you I what, Craig. I don't follow it's... any shows right now because I'm just I, right now. I'm just working. That's all I'm doing. It is amazing, actually, looking at this, Craig, because uh, you know I feel like you know there seems to be like this revelation that seems to have just seems to have gone on because we've had uh, Steven Universe, which has come to a massive amount of fame. Rick and Morty 
is a brilliant Adult Swim after a load of like yeah. loads of cruddy shows that Adult Swim have put out. You know, Mr. Pickles, I'll never understand. Uh, and also uh, um, the um, I'm thinking of the other ones that uh, Gravity Falls, which uh, the right. nostal- uh, Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic, right now is doing a vlog of. You know, it's like uh, it's uh, these these cartoon shows that now would have found absolute uh, would have actually fit uh, if they came out in 1996 alongside like Hey Arnold and Doug <laughs> right, and Rats right. and things like that, and they actually are. You know, not only the kids want to talk about them, but the adults want to talk about them as well. They actually are. Yeah. They, they we actually are seems to be entering into a good time of animation at the moment. So uh. it does. It's a it's a really good time for for a new cartoon series right now. I think it's it's as hard as ever to to get a series picked up. It's really 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 hard to get the networks to pull the trigger and and start your show. But once the show gets on TV, they they seem to be. Uh, they're really cool, and and I, I agree. I think um, people are trying to make uh, not trying to make stories, they're trying to make stuff about character, and they're trying to make stuff about relationships. So I'm I'm glad that stuff's out there, even though I don't really I haven't been watching it. I'm I'm glad for them. Do, do you really think cool. though the uh, the the Patreon you know GoFundMe generation? Do you think that might uh, also have uh, an effect? To, you know the same way. Not not obviously the television will always have a giant audience, but in regards to mm-hmm. getting stuff made, you know obviously we you know with Patreon and GoFundMe and like all these like crowdfunding projects mm-hmm. that are going on. So Cats right now are, are trying to be rebooted in that fashion. I mean, do you think uh, do you think that has uh, will have an effect on the animation industry and uh, you know what goes on and uh, basically what gets made? I guess so. I think that the the most important thing about uh, more stuff and and more diverse and better stuff getting made is uh the how democratic the the tools of of cartoon making is has become. Like you really can have people making webisodes out of their house and and so the and the the crowdfunding stuff is sort of goes along with that, where people go, I have an idea for a show, I can't I can't get a, a big network to 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 go for it, but I want to make it anyway. And so there there there's a lot of that going on where people are just starting, uh, they'll make a little short, and then sometimes they can grow it into a series that's on TV because they just sort of slowly build an audience for it independently, which I love. I mean, in a perfect world, I wouldn't even have to worry about networks. And I would just make my own stuff on on computers at home, and uh, and put it up on a website and and be like, hey, here's here's my cartoon. But I'm still not there. Somehow I'm still in the world of like a job where <laughs> I I uh, I agree to do something, I make a deal. It takes forever. I, we finally have a deal. They make a huge order, and then for years I'm making a cartoon for a living. So I'm still in that traditional uh, job, uh, work for money world. Uh, and maybe someday, I, I'm, I kind of hope maybe after this round of these projects that I've got going right now, when all of them are done, maybe I'll go to that place. I can't tell though because every time I finish uh, a long-running thing, the next one has begun. You know, like yeah. the Nickelodeon stuff has heated up uh, slowly, very slowly, while I've been doing uh, first, uh, you know, years and years of Dinosaur Train for PBS, and now I'm in the middle of the of another huge order of ready jet go so it just sort of has that quality I, I and i can't really control that i just i just try to get something started it takes forever and by the time it goes i'm usually doing something else and so there's really an interesting bunch of overlap going on this is the biggest year ever i've never had a, a year like this 2015 has been crazy I'll, yeah. I'll probably 
I just so many episodes will get made this year. It's hilarious. The, the, like the, fact, the fact that I right now. the fact that I've gone through like three jobs and uh, the fact that yeah, I've yeah. Uh, you know gone through so much and also you know the fact that the show is now starting to grow. I ended up at Comic Con uh, last uh, last week. I mean, it's just it's amazing how you know obviously how busy the 2015 has been, and it makes you wonder what 2016 is going to bring. So uh, yeah, 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 it should be good. It's funny too. People, you know, that's the other thing about people and politeness on the internet. I'm like, people make these comments like, "Why don't you just? Where's my jungle movie?" Like, like it's sort of like, uh, you know, actually, I got to take care of a bunch of other stuff first. Yeah, going so back in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. The next question. Um, Edward Magrigal asks, uh, "What's your favorite live action or cartoon show currently on the air?" Oh, favorite live action show on the air right now. Wow. Because I'm really, like I say, I'm really not watching any TV at all right now. <laughs> um, uh, God, I don't, so yeah, so, so uh, I don't know. God, I, on both of those, both cartoon and live action, um, uh, I'm, I'm aware of these shows on TV right now, but I'm, I, am, I am not watching them. So yeah. the answer is none. Are you still watching The Daily Show? or? Uh... Yeah, Daily Show and, and uh, Colbert Report were, were my thing, and then this was the year where both those guys stepped down. I've yeah. been, I'm glad that, I'm glad that uh, uh, Colbert is, has gotten The Late Show. I don't think it's quite as, as, uh, as charming as the, the Colbert Report, and I... I don't blame him because he's now in a much more sort of set, you know, talk show format where he's got to have a, a music act every night and he's got to interview an actress or an actor or whatever. And so he's he has to be a lot more kind of like old old school, like like Letterman now. And it's it, it couldn't happen to a cooler guy. I mean, he's 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 really really a funny and cool guy, and I really love him. Yeah. I would love to be interviewed by Colbert someday, but. Uh, <laughs> And I'm sorry that I didn't get to I, when when uh, John Stewart retired. I thought, oh man, that would have been so great to have gone on the Daily Show. But um, I'm sure a lot of people have that fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, with those guys stepping down, I was like, well, you know, it's two less things I have to even worry about. And I I I really, you know, I know that I know uh, the Daily Show goes on. It's it's still a really great. Uh, yeah. Show, well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, really not watching any TV right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm sort of in the same boat. I mean, I've only just picked up Halo Five Guardians, uh, just you know, so I've only just started playing video games again, and that's been like you know months <laughs> since uh, since uh, I've uh, people on Xbox Live have been saying, "Oh, are you still here?" It's like you know, it's just it's uh, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah. And okay, so uh, we'll move on to the final question, uh, which I've got here. It's uh, from Kirby Rose Parker. Uh, she wants to know, uh, I would love to know some of Craig's favorite music uh, bands and artists. So so my favorite people who, are, who make music. Yeah. Well, I have so many. I really, really, um, I really love so much, so many kinds of music. And um, uh, I, I, uh, I like, I find myself, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not just like, just like TV. I'm not listening to brand new stuff that's coming out. I tend to be more like just really glad that there's a, a whole century of recorded music that I can kind of dive back into and listen to and go way, way back. You know, um, uh, I, I listen to a lot of music that's like more than 50 years old. I, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to like Louis Armstrong and stuff oh, from the, from the 20s, 20s and 30s. And a lot of a lot of vintage jazz, I really really like because it's the vintage jazz is really warm and and funny. I've been kind of getting into uh, more New Orleans jazz um, recently. I like um, uh, when when I when I you talk about 
uh, New Orleans, um, people like Alan Toussaint and, and uh, Professor Longhair and uh, Dr. John, and these guys are all really old now, but but they, um, you listen to their music, it's really timeless and fantastic. And uh, and uh, yeah, if you if you talk about um, you know the classic uh, vintage music, um, you know uh, Duke Ellington, Lionel, Lionel Hampton, uh, Jelly Roll Morton. Uh, Louis, Count Basie, Fats Waller. I mean, there's so many great, great old guys, and uh, and then you know, I mean, in, in you know, more kind of contemporary stuff. I'm a big fan of Elliot Smith because he's he's uh, Elliot is um, is a guy that lived for a long time in Portland, and to me, he really personifies um, the the kind of Pacific Northwest slightly depressed melancholy <laughs> singer songwriter yeah. thing. And uh, I'm also a big fan of Kurt Cobain. Because he too, you know, he he grew up in uh, in uh, he was born in Aberdeen, Washington. So he he had a small town Washington uh, ass kicking, uh, you know, teenage years, not unlike my uh, my uh, small town Washington. Once I once I uh, was a teenager, we moved from uh, Seattle to the little town of Anacortes, where I went to high school. And uh, that was kind of an ass-kicking town when I was a kid, and and so I find uh, Kurt Cobain's uh, uh, experience to be super relatable. I feel like both uh, Elliot Smith and Kurt Cobain are are like soul brothers of mine. Even though I bet Kurt wouldn't have really liked me. But I, well, uh, by the way, Kurt's uh, documentary called uh, "Montage of Heck." Have you heard of that? Uh, no, I should uh, have. HBO put it out this year, and it also has been released theatrically. Uh, Kurt Cobain Montage of Heck is the name of the uh, doc, and it is brilliant. It has these animated sequences that are absolutely amazing. And they, they took his uh, – the guy who made the um, the film, the documentarian who made the film, had access to all of Kurt's um, archives, all of his uh, notebooks and drawings, and he, he animated them in a really brilliant way. Oh, where, wow. Uh, to, to Kurt's music – and the music's great, too. They, they have a ton of – of old weird mixtapes that he had made and just, you know, funky stuff he'd made in the house. Um, and so that's playing and, and the notebooks are animating just like ballpoint pen drawings on like lined notebook paper. And it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And also the, the, uh, there's several sequences in there that are Kurt on tape narrating about being a teenager and they're fully animated and they're really gorgeous and they're so evocative. They make me think of my, my uh, teenage years in rural Washington, uh, in a in a way that just absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> this is the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. So, I really like. Uh, I, I continue to like uh, Kurt and and uh, Nirvana even after all this time. And then you know, I mean, besides that, I love like when I I like to when I'm just playing and singing. I like to play uh, you know Beatles. I like Dylan. I like Neil Young. I like like anything like that that's sort of like you just playing a guitar and singing. I like I like that kind of stuff. So I have a huge I, I, I'm I'm fond of of so many different musicians and so many different kind of music. I like I like Harry Nilsson. I kind of went on a Harry Nilsson kick for a while where I I almost listened to nothing but Harry Nilsson for a while. So it it just you know it just goes on and on. There's so much stuff out there. There's a there's a million really great players and and. Uh, you know, I know I know there's a bunch of stuff going on in contemporary music that I'm I'm not even aware of, but sooner or later it'll it'll filter down and I'll, it'll find me. 
Yeah. I mean, um, I tell you what, there's three animations that I've always loved in music, and uh, that was the uh, uh, the Pink Floyd uh, Empty Spaces uh, song uh, uh, with the whole with the whole plants and everything, and then going into the the oh, whole. Oh yeah, I, mean, I love Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> then there was. I, I love. I love that Gilmore is still out there doing stuff. He's great. Yeah. Then there was uh, the, uh, the 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 one hilarious one I like to just get for laughs is uh, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer with like the animated chickens oh, yeah. and things. Yeah. That was that... actually when when the Sledgehammer video came out. That was a, a really cool turning point for me because at that point I was in Portland animating for Will Vinton and I'd been there for a while and I'd kind of hit the ceiling there where I could tell I wasn't going to probably go further and um, I I saw the Sledgehammer video and the Big Time video that were made of uh, off both of those singles of Peter Gabriel's and I, I, I remember it really caught my eye and those people, the producers of that video uh, went on to do Pee Wee's Playhouse. Wow. The guy who directed that and the guy and the woman uh, Prudence Fenton who produced that, yeah, well, both the... went to do first season Pee Wee. And then I I ended up getting the job on the Penny cartoons. Oh, that's awesome! Moved to L A. and my whole career from you know from then on happened because I kind of followed those people to L A. Cool. And uh, the third one that I also like, you probably never have seen this one, is uh, Disturbed did uh, a cover of uh, uh, Land of Confusion and they did like a whole music video that was just animated and uh, it was like, uh, it was, uh, that was something to behold. And, no, I haven't. Send uh, me the link. Oh, uh, yeah, I will do. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it was it was great to watch. And uh, so, well, yeah. yeah. We're in, as far as that goes, we're in such a golden age of, I mean, music videos are great now because that's a perfect format to just make a little, you know, three, four, five minute video. And then it's, it's, it's so easy to basically go on the social networks and stuff and ha- have those, you just following links around. It's a great time. You can see so much cool stuff now, just, just on your computer. And if it's short like that, nobody minds taking three minutes to watch a song. So it's, it's the best time ever for making music videos. Yeah. And with that, I think uh, I think we're done. So uh, I've just maybe looked on the uh, on. Uh, I've got this one of these really stupid subscriptions on Skype, where basically if you uh, go on too long, it will. Uh, sorry about for an hour, it'll cut you off. So uh, that's basically what happened <laughs> on, the la- on the last episode. Basically, we went up to the subscription, it cut me off, and then had to re- recall you again. So uh, yeah. okay, good. So we'll bail. <laughs> we'll bail. Yeah. So uh, I mean, uh, anything else you want to plug before uh, we finish up today? Not at all. Thanks, thanks all all the fans who have wanted us to get Hey Arnold uh, resurrected. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. I really think that the the, the there's a, a kind of a huge movement and like a wave of of people wanting it that has has really gotten through to Nickelodeon. And uh, uh, you know, thank you for for wishing this would happen. And uh, thanks for being patient because, like I say, just the reality of work. You know, I've, I'm always trying to finish a million things, and um, you know these things all take time, and you you can't even tell how long it'll take. We'll finally have a release date and a, a you know an air date, and then when that happens, I'll I'll definitely tell, and I I won't give up much detail about what's going to happen just so people can be entertained by, you know, seeing what it finally is and being surprised. So there's that to look forward to, and just know that you know I'm. I'm really enjoying um, keeping. I've I've kept Hey Arnold alive in my mind all these years, and I've in the in the age of the social networks, I've I've uh, you know resurrected it in my way by just sort of curating all those images that I put up and doing the draw somethings and posting those, and so 
that's been my way to just kind of keep it in everybody's mind and see if I couldn't get some kind of movement on it. And it really seems to have worked. So thanks everybody for, for uh, wishing it would be so and, and, and uh, looking for it because I think that's been a big influence. I like keeping it alive too, Craig. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's alive and well. And, and um, Arnold and Helga and Gerald and everybody are alive and kicking and, and, uh, uh, we shall uh, try to get some more adventures out there for people to see. That's great. And uh, thanks a million. Uh, well, th- thank you, Craig, for coming on the show. Uh, we really do appreciate it. This is the fifth time you've been on the Aromatis show, fifth well, time you spoke to the fans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our anniversary. Yeah, absolutely. So, Craig, we'll let you go. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. The fans definitely will appreciate it, and uh, good luck with everything that you're doing. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Talk Cheers, to you mate. soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. You have been listening to the Aaron Metas Show. If you want to follow us on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Aaron Metas Show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash Aaron Metas Show. We're on Tumblr as well, so aaronmeta.tumblr.com as well. And for all the RSS feeds, for the podcast feeds, if you want to follow us, it's iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, Podcast Directory. There's plenty of ways to listen to us, so get out there and have a listen to us as well. So thank you very much for checking out the show. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you uh on the actually on mondays now uh so basically why we're doing it is so we're gonna have a monday show now me and harry and then possibly if we get the time for doing it we'll probably have a midweek show if something special is going on um in regards to conventions uh i've not got any other plans in thank you very much for everyone who listened to the mcm comic-con london episode uh, on the weekend, I really did appreciate. I did really enjoy putting it together. And if any, if you listen to that episode, then I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, that is it for the show. Take care and bye bye for now. Peace.